0: Well, I want to study with you for a little while from this week's Torah portion. Let's pray together. Baruch atah asher la'asok Torah. Blessed are you, Lord, our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. Well, every year at the... Approach of Hanukkah, and during Hanukkah, we're reading about the life of Joseph, the story of Joseph and his brothers, the ups and downs. And I thought to focus on a theme that I brought up a couple of weeks ago, which is the theme of shenanigans. (laughs) And I just want to call this more shenanigans, because we're looking at the life of Joseph, and what we're seeing is how. This family is not a simple family. And they don't, they don't make life easy for each other. Even though they are covenantally bound together, and even though God has great purposes for them, sometimes the only way God can bring out his purposes is to wring out from them something Uh, Because it's not always obvious on the surface what's in their hearts and what they really want to do. But when we're looking this week at the Torah portion, we do see some very clear indications of what's at work trying to divide this family. And also trying to ruin the whole future of the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, it's good to remember something, that our lives are connected to each other. And because of this, we can rejoice when each of us has a success or a victory. We can take to heart with gladness when someone else has a great blessing from the Lord. And it's also why we can grieve with each other during times of sorrow and mourning. And it's also why we can be a comfort to people who... um, who are going through difficulty because we ourselves have received comfort. We've experienced comfort that enables us, because of the connection God has made with us, with others, to share that comfort. But on the other hand, it's also why we can be hurt by others who disappoint us or take action against us. And especially when others close to us betray us, or seek to harm us, it can hurt even more. And we're reading about the the sons of Jacob, the sons of Israel, who seem to be quite good at hurting each other, and they have to learn how to love each other. It's not going to be an easy task. Now the brothers of Joseph saw him not only as a stupid boy, but they saw him as a threat to their well-being and to their future, and they, they hated who he was. He was the favorite son, they hated that. He had dreams, they hated that. Everything about him irritated them. But in their response, they mixed not just normal sibling rivalry, they, mi- they mixed hubris and arrogance, and really the threat of violence against him. And their hatred stirred up murder in them. That's one of the things we want to look at. They actually planned to kill their brother. And then they thought, oh, why should we kill him? He is our brother. We should just sell him to slavery. You know, We should really be more kind than we were planning to. These brothers lied to their father, and they allowed him to think that Joseph had been mauled by a wild animal the brothers actually thought like Stalin this is a, a way that I would compare them now i was just looking up a famous quote from stalin new york times had a reference to it and said murder was stalin's way of resolving difficulties and this is the quote death solves all problems he's quoted as saying. And the most famous part are these next few words. No man, no problem. How do you deal with troubling people? You just get rid of them. Then you don't have a problem anymore. And I think that Joseph's brothers imagined the same thing. They predated Stalin in this kind of mentality. They thought if they could get rid of their brother, they had no problems. I think they imagined that their future without Joseph would be secure, and they had no idea what was ahead. They could not imagine how God would work over the years and what the future could hold out for them but it's also important for us to turn our focus away from them and look at Joseph clearly enough to see what, was, what became the keys for him. One of the keys was he held on to God, no matter what people were doing to him. He was faithful to the Lord, and he, he let the Lord get hold of his own priorities and hold on to him when he could barely hold on to life and his own sense of future. I loved Rabbi Uri's message last week about facing crisis. If you didn't hear it, you should listen to it uh, online. You, you can get access to that online. Uh, we have a podcast of that. And he was talking about how important it is to hold on to God, not to, to run away and not to bury your head in the sand, but to hold on to God and to trust the Lord regarding the the challenges and the difficulties that you face. And this was the case for Joseph as well. He had to hold on to God. He had to hold on to God's priorities instead of holding on to his own reaction to the hatred and the mistreatment that he experienced and the injustices that he experienced in life and we could say this instead of nursing his wounds he decided to nurse the purposes of god in his own life he rather than saying oh you know so many people have done so many bad things to me they're terrible and i'm a victim of their cruelty he pressed on and he sought the lord and he found out that god had a plan god had purposes whatever disappointments he went through and he went through many not just at the hands of his brothers but time and time again he faced difficulty that you could say was undeserved or unmerited and he went through those difficulties he faced them and rather than giving into them ultimately he gave his life to the Lord he subordinated his own will to the will of God. And he discovered something. God had purposes that were greater than his own purposes for himself. God had a plan that was greater than his plan for himself. Well, I want to look at just one chapter and some verses that are in Parshat Vayeshev, Genesis chapter 37. And by the way, you can go to our Facebook pages, Messianic Jewish Teachings, or Beth Israel, or my personal Facebook page. Or you can go to our our new website in support of our podcast and teaching ministry, uh, messianicjewishteachingsnow.com, and you'll see all the um, scriptures already organized for your reference. You can see those uh, and follow along with them. So Genesis chapter 37 verse 2 says this, When Joseph was 17 years old, he used to pasture the flock with his brothers, even though he was still a boy or still a lad, once when he was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, he brought a bad report about them to their father. Now the scripture is underlining these details so that we see pivotal things that shape the relationships. Now Israel loved Joseph the most of all his children because he was the son of his old age. And Israel made Joseph a long-sleeved robe of many colors, the type a prince would wear. And when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they began to hate Joseph. Now that's an interesting phrase. They began to hate him. And they reached the point where they couldn't even talk with Joseph in a civil manner. Fast forward, it's It seems Joseph had a dream which he told his brothers and that made them hate him all the more. So do you see the progress? They're going from beginning of hatred and now they're hating him all the more. He said to them, listen, while I tell you about this dream of mine, we were tying up bundles of weed in the field when suddenly my bundle got up by itself and it stood upright and then your bundles came And they gathered around mine, and they bowed down and prostrated themselves before it. I mean, it looks like Joseph doesn't have a clue about how to communicate with his brothers. And his brothers retorted, oh yeah, you'll certainly be our king. You'll do a great job of bossing us around. And they hated Joseph still more for his dreams and for what he said. So they're getting really good at this, hatred. They began to hate, they hated him more, and now they hate him still more. Very short passage that describes a rather lengthy uh, engagement and change of attitudes or development of attitudes. Now we'll go forward to verse 18 to look at a particular episode where Joseph has been dispatched by his father to go check on his brothers and to come back and tell him how these, bo- these brothers are doing. The brothers spotted Joseph in the distance and before he had arrived where they were, they already plotted to kill him. Do you see the progress? From hatred to more hatred to murder. And you can see why Yeshua makes this connection about hatred in the heart and murder. Because it's an obvious connection. Murder proceeds from hatred. Not always, but murder, it's not that hatred always leads to murder, but it's that murder always has its origins in hatred of some sort. They said to each other, look, this dreamer is coming. So come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these water cisterns here. And then we'll say some wild animals devoured him. We'll see then what becomes of his dreams. So the brothers are are conspiring together. But when Reuben heard this, he saved Joseph from being destroyed by them. He said, we shouldn't take his life. Don't shed blood, Reuben added. Throw him into this cistern here in the wilds, but don't lay hands on him yourselves. You know, we'll just let him die of starvation or whatever. However, the scripture goes on and says that Reuben had a plan. He thought that he could come back and rescue Joseph. In other words, this plan would sort of calm down and everyone would come back to their senses. Reuben intended to rescue Joseph from them later and restore him to his father. And so it was that when Joseph arrived to be with his brothers, they stripped off his robe, the long sleeve robe he was wearing, And they took him and they threw him into the cistern. It was empty without any water in it. And then they sat down to eat their meal. How callous. But as they looked up, they saw in front of them a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilad. And their camels loaded with aromatic gum, healing resin, and opium. This is uh, David Stern's translation. I didn't realize they were uh, trading in opium at the time. And they were on their way down to Egypt. And Judah said to his brothers, what advantage is it to us if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites instead of putting him to death with our own hands. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh. Do you see how convoluted this thinking is? Real shenanigans. His brothers paid attention to Judah. And so when the Midianites, merchants, Uh, passed by, they drew and lifted Joseph up out of the cistern. They sold him for half a pound of silver shekels to the Ishmaelites who took Joseph on to Egypt. Later, Reuben returned to the cistern and upon seeing that Joseph wasn't in it, he tore his clothes in mourning. And so he returned to his brothers and he said, the boy isn't there, where can I go now? So this is the beginning of a terrible period that will go on for years and years and years. Great sorrow, great difficulty, many injustices, many disappointments that Joseph experiences. His father tries to mourn his loss, but he can't really because he's holding on. Maybe he's not dead. And he says, I'm going to be mourning to the very end, but still he's counting them as dead. Meanwhile, the brothers are all creating this new lie and a secret that they keep with each other. And you know how families are when they, they make a lie and they make it into a secret as well. They begin to believe that it's true and they construct false narratives around that. Well, we'll read in the weeks to come how this develops. What's interesting to me is, the Lord gives us this story in order to teach us something. And one of the things that I think is so important is this, that that we have to recognize, no matter how challenging life may be, no matter what other people may do to us, that God can still be with us in the midst of great challenge. He can be with us in the midst of injustice, and we don't have to be victims of other people's evil doings and evil intentions and evil plans even if they have power over us we don't have to be their victims how do you avoid being a victim you grab hold of god and you hold on to him with all that you've got you you cry out to god with everything that you have and then you receive from the lord the grace that only he can give. You can't necessarily make yourself feel right or think right, but I can tell you this, God has a way of working. When you fellowship with him in the midst of your troubles, and you bring your troubles to him and cast them on him, and then you hold on to him and you say, Lord, you know what, Lord, I'm living for you no matter what. I'm committing this life to you no matter what. Lord, even if everyone abandons me, I'm still going to hold on to you. That's what happened with Joseph. Everyone did abandon him, but he held on to God. And he didn't just hold on weakly. He held on publicly and visibly and strongly to such an extent that all the people around him in Egypt recognized that, the Lord was with Joseph. When he was in prison, the Lord was with him. When he was a slave, the Lord was with him. When he was forgotten and abandoned, the Lord was with him. How could they see that? It had to be because Joseph had such fellowship with the Lord that it changed who he was and how he lived his life. He lived for God no matter what. It took years for everything to turn around. And there were great trials. So if any of you are going through difficulty and you're thinking, well, you know what? I can go through difficulty for like three chapters. (laughs) Or if you have that mentality, Rabbi Uri mentioned this last week, this mentality, well, I'm just going to turn the page. You know, then I'll get to the good part. Yeah, life doesn't go that quickly, does it? There are times when you can't turn the page. There are times when life won't quickly bring you to where you want to go. But the good news is this. No matter how life is going, no matter whether it's going fast or slow, the Lord can be with you. What is the challenge? It's to hold on to him and to recognize, as as Colossians 3, verse 3 says, You have died, and your life is hidden with Messiah in God. The moment you realize, you know what? That whole life that I had is dead. And I am dead. But now I've been raised from the dead, and I can live for Messiah. I can live for God because of resurrection life. Then you don't have to be so disappointed that the life that you lost was a loser life. In fact, Yeshua said this. He said, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? What can a man give in return for his own soul? Yeshua said, if, if, you, if you're trying to save yourself, you'll lose it. You'll lose yourself. If in life, when, when life is so hard, you try to rescue yourself, it won't work the same way As if you give your life willingly to the Lord, and you, as Yeshua said, lose that life for God's sake. And allow the good news to have the victory in your life. That's the key. There's no other way to live this life. Joseph understood something about this. And you and I need to learn something about this. And Hanukkah is exactly the right time to learn it. Because when all hope was lost and the whole future of the Jewish people was on edge and just about snuffed out, God raised up his own way of getting new victory and restoring and renewing. If Hanukkah had not taken place, Messiah would never have come. It would have been the end to everything. But with Hanukkah, we see this enduring theme that no matter what the shenanigans are in life all around you, there is this serendipity joy. It's not what you were seeking after, but it was God who was seeking after something that he opened up to you. You were looking for this, but he had this in mind for you. And he got you out of your trouble. You wanted to be the foreman of your brothers, and the Lord wanted to make you into the prime minister of Egypt. You wanted to be a nice kid living at home. The Lord had a different itinerary for you. That's what Joseph discovered. Every day that you live for God like this, is gonna be a good day, no matter how hard it is. Every day that's dedicated to serving the Lord is gonna be a worthwhile day. And I wanna encourage you, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And remember these words from from Judah or Jude. This is not Judah the brother, this is Judah the uh, disciple of Yeshua. Now to the one who can keep you from falling and set you without defect and full of joy in the presence of his Shekhinah, to God alone, our deliverer, through Yeshua the Messiah, our Lord, be glory and majesty and power and authority before all men now and forever. Amen. For all time, now and forever, and let us say, amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you were saving us yesterday, in times past. Thank you, Lord, that you are saving us now, and thank you, Lord, that you will save us into the future and into eternity. Lord, that life that we had, we don't want to hold on to. Let it be counted as dead that we would receive in exchange the life that you have in mind for us and the purposes that you want to accomplish in us and through us. We dedicate ourselves to you, Lord, as we're approaching Hanukkah this weekend. We say, Lord, let our temples be cleansed and let let our temples be rededicated in service to you. We pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. We're going to close with Aaron's blessing. Would you please rise? And if you're by yourself, I encourage you to move a little bit or have a friendly sort move towards you so that you're not alone. And don't forget RSVP for the Hanukkah party. <speaking in Hebrew>